Dear Dad, in consequence of a trivial altercation with Captain Tapper of the Wild Violet Lodge, whom I happened to step upon in the corridor of a train, I had a pistol duel this morning in the woods near Caligano, and am now no more. Though the manner of my end can be regarded as kind of an easy suicide, the encounter and the ineffable captain are in no way connected with the sorrows of young Veen. In 1884, during my first summer in Ardis, I seduced your daughter, who was then 12. Our torrid affair lasted till my return to Riverlane. It was resumed last June, four years later. That happiness has been the greatest event in my life, and I have no regrets. Yesterday, though, I discovered she had been unfaithful to me, so we parted. Tapper, I think, may be the chap who was thrown out of one of your gaming clubs for attempting oral intercourse in the washroom with an attendant. A toothless old cripple, veteran of the First Crimean War. Lots of flowers, please. Your loving son, Vaughn. He carefully read his letter and carefully tore it up. The note he finally placed in his coat pocket was much briefer. Dad, I had a trivial quarrel with a stranger whose face I slapped and who killed me in a duel near Kalingano. Sorry, Vaughn. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Walls and you're listening to 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Friday, November 9th, 2018, and this is the autumn installment of the 42 Minutes Seasonal Book Club. Today I'm joined by Znor and Dennis to discuss Vladimir Nabokov's Ada or Ardor. Published two weeks after his 70th birthday, Ada or Ardor is one of Nabokov's greatest masterpieces, the glorious culmination of his career as a novelist. It tells a love story troubled by incest. But more, it is also at once a fairy tale, epic, philosophical treatise on the nature of time, parody of the history of the novel, and erotic catalog. Ada or Ardor is no less than the supreme work of an imagination at white heat. Ada began to materialize in 1959 when Nabokov was flirting with two projects, The Texture of Time and Letters from Terra. In 1965, he began to see a link between the two ideas, finally composing a unified novel from February 1966 to October 1968. The published culmination would become his longest work. Otto was generally given a mixed reception, but writing the New York Times Book Review, noted scholar Alfred Appel called it a great work of art, a necessary book, radiant and rapturous, and said that it proves further evidence that he was a peer of Kafka, Proust, and Joyce. Ah, the ardors and arbors of artists. Well, first of all, thank God we speak fluent French, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And it's good that we have passing Russian, too. How do we start with this piece? How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Doug, you always pick the best... uh quotations from the books to, to start with that's an excellent one <laughs> that gets right into the thick of it <laughs> it it does I, I i man i was awash with emotions through this thing but mostly let me hear what you guys think 
just in general? Sure. Um, yeah, I loved it. It took a while to get into it, and especially after the end, when you start to get into the texture of time. Yeah. And it all starts to make sense. It all you, you can go back, and it all starts to make sense after that. And then I went back. I, it, it was like in uh, Infinite Jest. I had I, I had to go back and read the the first three uh, chapters again to make sense of those. But uh, but uh, yeah, I thought it was great afterwards. And uh, it's definitely a a book meant for rereading. Yeah, it's it. it's pretty much all of the Stanley Kubrick movies. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in terms of the texture of time, and actually, I'd love at some point for Doug to elaborate on his idea of its connections with uh, Blade Runner, which I feel like uh, that's an. I like. I actually like that on a lot of, on a lot of levels. But it, one thing that uh, Talitha Wall has been talking about recently is how human desire is essentially your sail. That can move you. Uh, that can propel you in the direction that you want to go. You know, and um, and their recount, the recounting of their sexual liaisons over the years is like markers of their their force that's driving them through time. Like you can, I and even and it really and it tripped me out in a lot of levels because you could basically get into like how how on a contemporary level. Um, sort of false or not maybe maybe false isn't the right word but like you can be lured into you know sort of fake desire or whatever i don't maybe that's not the right way of saying it but maybe you can parse out what i mean by that but you know all the different ways in which desire is is pulled um to sort of fragment your own power of finding your your best sailing path you know uh, so but anyways i really enjoyed it and it, it was all of all of the books that we've uh been uh it was really great to see all the markers of all the other books in this one very synchronistic and yeah regard. yeah even to the point where i was reading about uh um the biography of of Nabokov and uh he taught tennis during the twenties <laughs> and thirties, <laughs> wow. Well, so it's wow. funny because I just learned about him, and it wasn't—it was purely a synchronicity. Because I was doing a show this week with a gentleman by the name of Eric Wargo, who wrote a book called Time Loops. But in that book, he there is a so apparently there's an author that I didn't know of uh, by the name of J. W. Dunn that. Put a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so that was a big influence on Nabokov, mm -hmm. and he actually kept this dream journal because of this. But Nabokov had this precognitive dream that's in this book, Time Loops, that uh, I used for my intro. But it, it's just bizarre because I had no, I did not realize that Stanley Kubrick and so I just thought, I mean, in my, mind, in my mind, Lolita is this classic, and it's just been a classic for all time, you know, mm -hmm. just because that's the way it feels. But mm -hmm. when, when the, there's a lot of autobiography, autobiography in this book that we just read, um, apparently. But when when Nabokov <laughs> was was he when Nabokov was a young man, so uh, he had this uncle that died. And he'd left him everything. And so basically, he, Nabokov was set. You know, he had his first 
publication of poems about to come out, and he had a whole estate, and all it. All he had to do was write and and study butterflies, you know, his whole life. But then a year later, was the the revolution, and they lost they lost <laughs> they lost everything, and they had to flee Russia, and he went to America. But he had right. this this precognitive dream that his uncle, this dead uncle, came back to him and said, "When the circus performers come, you know, summon like Harrison and Kurrick come, <laughs> Kurrick." <laughs> uh, these circus performers, you'll you'll be well off again. And the dream only made sense after Kubrick, you know, which because of Russian valve flips or something, um, when he bought Lolita in 1959, you know, that's when he actually was finally well off again after his whole life. Huh. Wow. What year was Barry Lyndon uh, made? Does anybody know off the top of their head? Because there's so much Barry exact, Lyndon. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of that now when you mentioned that. But I, yeah, I think that's. I don't know exactly. It's early seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no biggie. Just curious. Yeah. You can look. Interesting, that up. Look Doug. Sorry to sidetrack it, but yeah. No, you didn't. It's just I didn't have any. I didn't have any sense that in some strange way these guys are tied together. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, seventy-five. Nineteen seventy-five. Is Barry Lyndon? Okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a great link too. I didn't I didn't think of that in just until now, but that exactly fits. I mean, the Venus Club is kind of very <laughs> eyes wide shut. Oh yeah. yeah, I've got I've got a passage of that 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 it exactly describes eyes wide and, shut. And it's like degradation that. and oh man, it that tripped me out because even like the degradation of it over time, um, and <laughs> that was. I feel like that had contemporary relevancy as well. Um, I'll, read, I'll read that part. So this is about the Villa Venus. Whether nestling in woodland dells or surrounded by a many-acred park or overlooking terraced groves and gardens, access to Venus uh, began by a private road and continued through a labyrinth of hedges and walls with inconspicuous doors to which only the guests and the guards had keys. Yeah. Or passwords, I guess. Cunning, cunningly distributed spotlights followed the wandering of of the masks and caped grandees through dark mazes of, of coppices. For one of the stipulations imagined by Eric was that every establishment should open only at nightfall and close only at sunrise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Exactly. And yeah. wasn't there a stipulation that only so much homosexual homosexuality was <laughs> yeah, permitted? Had, yeah, like yeah, there could be yeah. some, yeah. but not. There could be two. Yeah, but yeah, only every fourth time <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Well, so, all right, like there is a lot going on here, but can we start with just what is the document that we're reading? Do, are we clear on that? So there's an editor. Is what is is. It, it feels like there's books and books in this thing. Did you guys get a handle on that? The, it's at least um, Van Veen writing in his 90s mm-hmm. um, with uh, marginal notes uh, by Ada. Yeah. And But there could be another narrator, which could be... Um, it, it could be the, the secretary at the end, you know, the secretary. I, I forget. Violet. Who's, Violet, I yeah. It could be her that's... Uh, that's the other narrator the typist. Adding, adding to it, yeah. Which was kind of strange. That I don't know. There's a lot of strange, but so they're so in love that she's thinking that he needs to have 
What? What? Somebody explain Violet to me. Well, they said at the end, but he—that was his. Uh, so he basically they got together again uh, in 1922, right? When they're both—I think he was 52 and she was 50, I guess, right? And uh, they stayed together um, until death. It sounds like, right? Um, and he di- he didn't have any affairs during that time, during that whole time, right? There was he. he <laughs> the, they said there was a, a couple cases of onanistic voyeurism or something like that, but that was about <laughs> it. But, the, but, but uh, so then he had this whole series of um, secretaries or typists, and they, they're just like plain-looking women, up until the point of this Violet, who sounds pretty uh, beautiful as well. But at that point, he was already impotent, right? So he never had an affair with her. But uh, that... The thing that you're referring to, I think, was at, at the end, they were trying to think of what would happen if you died before me or whatever, right? And so Ada tells Vaughn that, well, if if I die before you, um, you can get married to Violet. Just just to uh, just so that you'll be happy at the end. Did as far as the characters go? Did you have a sense? I mean, I I think my favorite part of the book was the. The, what is it called? The texture of time. I loved that yeah, part. Yeah, that's great. That was the best part. But as far as, I think I had a better sense of Lucette than I did of Otta, I think, for some reason. Yeah, yeah Otta's pretty <laughs> mysterious, right? You don't you don't get the sense of what she's thinking so much. Like she's so uh, she's so tied into the I forget how he refers to it. Like the the whole Veen way of of speaking, right? Well, it's just, it, it's entirely wordplay involving French, English, and Russian, right? Um, and it's all, it's all like wit all the way through, no matter who it is. If, if it's, uh, if it's demon, uh, their father, or if it's Ada or, uh, or Vaughn, or sometimes even Lucette, right? Everybody has to speak in this kind of vein manner, which is like, uh, just playing with words and anagrams and puns constantly, right? Yes. So, so Ada just seems like a. Uh, that's what she is. Um, she, she's like a genius of that, right? But um, it's hard to know. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It doesn't get really into her head as much as it does with Lucette. Well, in that case, it reminded me of Infinite Jest too, because here we have these like hyper intelligent young people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. especially the mother right the mother as well in infinite <laughs> yeah 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 if the audience is lost do we do we catch them up on like the plot yeah yeah maybe you should go do do a rundown yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i don't even know like the love story is pretty easy so you have a a 12, yeah. a 12 year old and a 14 year old and they're you, they're cousins, and they know uh, that they're cousins, but they have this... They think c- that they're cousins. Right. They think, yeah. Well, but why did he make that so convoluted at the beginning? Like, there's this the kind of wink-wink. Thing- I mean, there are definitely reveals, just like in an Infinite Jest, where you have just this one little moment, and if you don't read closely, you kind of miss it. But yeah. the, those reveals are kind of there, and I feel like there's some some of those in the first three chapters. But then the 
the end of this. It, it gets weirder though because you start to look in the at the dates like um, uh, Marina and Aqua, who are sisters, and basically yeah. they're twin sisters, right? Right. So they were born on January fifth, right? I forget the year. The year is at the front of the book, but uh, and then you find out that that Dan and Demon, who are supposed to be cousins as well, are also born on January fifth. So you have all the parents born on January 5th. Wow. Two of them being twins and the other two being first cousins, maybe. But the dates seem to suggest that maybe they're twins as well, you know? So it's... Well, and I wondered if that wasn't... And the incest as well. So, okay, listeners, so you have these these couples that we just mentioned, these cousins and twin sisters, and they get married and then they have affairs with each other's spouses and... And they have children, and then we have the stars of our book, which is Vaughn and Ada. And uh, and it turns out they're not cousins, but they're brother and sister. Yeah. Hmm. And so, but why is that? What is the what is what is the metaphor there? What is Zenor? You can tease this out, but I know you'll pick. You'll know this a little bit better. But it, there, at. At some point later in the portion that's breaking down like time and space, uh, he talks about the asymmetry of gender. Yeah. Do you know what I'm? You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. Isn't that relevant to the this uh, brother sister twin uh, aspect? Yeah, to- totally. It has to be. It has to be brother and sister. Like even incest with cousins, first cousins. It's not. It's not so much incest. Like in in some cultures, that's allowed. Like. Uh, getting married to your first cousin or whatever. It has to be brother and sister, but also it has to be brother and sister because it's, it's two halves of one, one soul, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, in, 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 like in Plato's Symposium or something, right? Or even, even Adam before Eve was separated from him um, in the garden. Um, and so it has, to be, it, ha- it has to be brother and sister, right? Um, and, and then... When they're at artists, especially in their in their first summer in eighteen eighty four, that's paradise. Like artists, artists is paradise. Yeah, it, it, you can find the word in there. It's also Arcadia. Um, so it's it's like this. Uh, it's it's like this. Uh, like the realm of the nymphs or something. It's like this. Uh, yeah, Renaissance Arcadia that that's beyond good and evil. Or, or like ancient ancient Greek Arcadia or something, right? Well, and and even Lucette at one point said you she um, I don't remember the context, but she says it was like you returned from Terra. The two of them when she visits him in his New York um, place, I believe. Uh, but it's like, and I hope we can discuss that more. That, that like, this um, this. Uh, uh, psychological condition <laughs> of believing in a a uh, Terra and anti-Terra. Um, <laughs> well, so which where is, incredible. is this? This this the book takes place in Demonia, correct? Is that right? Demonia, Demonia or anti-Terra? Um, yeah, that's right? uh, that's the planet's name. Yeah, yeah. And then, which uh, is basically parallel Earth in, in a lot of ways, except Russia has. Ha- as um, basically uh, m- most of North America is Russian and French. Again, we have the 
sort of Quebecois <laughs> French-speaking yeah, yeah. aspect of in- Infinite Jest playing, exactly. which is just remarkable oh, if you think about it. No, it's, I failed it's, to it's, mention or notice that. Like, that's the exact same location. Well, right? no, if yeah. you look at it, did, did you guys read that um, that thing on the geography of Ada? That I, I that skimmed I, over it, yeah. Okay, there's a place in Quebec called, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'll get this right, I forget it, Ador or something like this in in Quebec and it's Les Ador, it, Les Ador, yeah, yeah, something like this and it it's exactly the place, right? There's one there's one um, scene in the book where he's I forget what year it is, but he's coming. Ivana's coming. Well, it's when they come across on the on the ship uh, when Lucette commits suicide, but it describes the boat as being at the meridian of Iceland and the uh, and the latitude of of uh, of Ador, right? Which means that it's quite north, yeah? It's quite north. And if you, you trace that across, it, it is Quebec, you know? It's exactly infinite jest. Um, but the other thing is that it seems to be, there's something different about the climate, right? Because uh, that should be very cold, but it's not. It's, it's, it's as if... Um, it's as if climate change has happened and that yeah. whole sort of northern part... Uh, the, the northern hemisphere has has warmed up. Yeah. But there's also an area referred to as the barren zones, which is very conve- yeah, yeah. Con- 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 the convexity or concavity sort of. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, that's what came to mind. I don't know if geographically it overlaps in the same way. But um. well, that guy, the guy who wrote the the thing about the geography, he he makes a point that in the sort of geography of uh, anti Terra. It, it's as if the, the St. Lawrence River doesn't exist. Um, yeah. They just kind of move. There's somehow that they can go across the entire river, which is huge when it goes out to the Atlantic, right? At the point that they cross it. But there's no mention of a crossing of water at all. Um, so it's almost as if, like you're saying, that is the concavity area, you know? Um, mm. That there's some, like something has happened to the, uh, to the geography even. It's not exact, you know? And one of the other major um, geographic uh, aspects of the novel is Switzerland, which is, I found really interesting on a lot of levels, but um, uh, synchronistically, because this artist Tom Sachs recently did this performance about issuing fake passports to to Switzerland and his, and I, it, it, it partially had a commentary about the EU, but he also, he said beyond that, he was saying that Switzerland is the true heart of Europe. And uh, <laughs> which, I mean, it's like almost like the geography and, you know, the lore of Switzerland is really fascinating on a lot of levels and how that might actually be true in, in many regards. But the idea that they're bouncing back and forth in the novel between um, Switzerland and the American Southwest and then New York and, uh, and then uh, where Canada is. And, and yeah, then the, they seem to finally settle in, in Switzerland, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, hmm. yeah. The other thing is about their, uh, their names, like even their initials, like A and V. And then at one point, pretty, Early in the novel, he he writes a kind of uh, oh yeah. There's he what is it? Where is it? I get it. Yeah, there's a like a monogram which looks like an upside down A, which is a V, you know. Um, 
So A and V, they're direct opposites like that. Plus they have they have birthmarks, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. Yeah. And they're talking about thinking the same thoughts. Like they have they have parallel thoughts all the time too. It's it, well, it's also kind of like a star tetrahedron too. If you overlap the A, and, I mean. Yeah, yeah, and then and then he's the uh, he's Masco uh, yeah. de Gamma, which is which is upside down in his hands, forming an A. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. The walking in hands. It seemed like there were a couple times. Well, so I would say in comparison to Infinite Jest, this this one is definitely a lot more subtle. So there, you do really have to kind of. I don't I mean you have to do, work hard to put this world together. It's not Yeah. Um but there were times when I definitely got lost and the the Moscow de Gamma <laughs> Gamma part definitely kind of threw me cuz it it didn't seem like it it almost seemed like there was this new character. Like this wasn't Vaughn. This was like there were moments when I was definitely like it seemed like something shifts and I wasn't sure what was going on. I, I noticed it then. I noticed it when they were talking about the the Villa Venus also. You know, yeah. it, it's almost like Vaughn goes through some kind of transformation. Yeah, well, yeah, that, um, yeah, it's interesting because he, he has a teacher at that time too. Like he's, he's being initiated into that kind of acrobatic arts by, uh, King Wing, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because it, I, I I didn't realize that Vaughn was that person for quite a while. I don't think. I, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of weird how it is sort of all of a sudden. Is that is that between eighteen eighty four and eighteen eighty eight? Like, is it that interval? Like the uh, May, she calls maybe. it the, the, yeah. she calls it the black rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that interval of four years I think that might wow. be yeah I think it is because he's not like after 1888 he's he's in complete despair and he has nothing to do with her anymore uh, this is such an odd book in that I don't think you have the context to uh, understand or appreciate it until you know well towards the very end yeah and then you have to go back like I had all these notes written through the entire book so I went back and read all these passages again but I kept, you know, like, I, and I did this during the wolf reading. It was like, why do I care about these people? Why do I? And I, it took me a little while until I really it was like, wow, this is really, this is really good stuff. But that's yeah. that's what I was doing with this one too. Why do I care so much? Why does? I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Who? <laughs> why do I care? Why do I care? <laughs> I was hating on this one uh, pretty hard. And so at I the, at, at the beginning, like uh, uh, like well, how far how far into it well, were you still hitting it? I so those it felt like the first three or four chapters were really difficult because you oh just, yeah first you, three I just yeah and I probably did those three times like I kept restarting I'm like I don't know what's going on I, I, but I don't know how important the backstory is. Like the, mm. of the of the parents, it turns out to be important. But um, I I realized when that was going on that I'm not going to understand this until the end. Uh, in, <laughs> until I finish. So then I went back. Same as Infinite Jess, I had to go back and and read it again. It's almost like uh, like Wallace took 
it's like he took that idea from from Nabokov, maybe. Okay, that he had to go back and and read it again to make sense of it, because um, that's when they introduced the idea of, uh, like you said, Doug, where, where they just um, the two kids go into the attic and they yes. find a book of yes. of their mother's Marina, mostly about flowers, but somehow cryptically they find out that they're brother and sister through this book. But when you first read it, it doesn't make any sense at all. You don't know who they are or anything. You know? um, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. so they're like, look, they're naked. You can, I mean, you can completely visualize this, the scene with this, the sun coming through the window and the dust motes and everything. And you just, mm -hmm. you're in that room with him. He's such a beautiful writer as far as yeah, like, yeah. This, yeah. the language is just so polished. Yeah, yeah. But it was polished to a point of sterility for me at times. I'm like, I don't just don't know, like it, that, it, 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 whether he's doing that on purpose or not. That's um, that's I was I was reading a, a, about this novel, and that's one of that's how it gets critiqued by a lot of people. Is that uh, he's too excessive with his language, right? Hmm. But but then I read something that really uh, sort of clarified what he's doing. You know, because he's trying to uh, he's trying to make language so vivid that it gets captured in memory almost mm. well not almost like uh, directly as a as a as, as synesthesia right there, there's a whole point where he says something like uh, yeah sounds have colors colors have smells right and the whole thing combines like that and and the point is to put it all into your memory so that the memory of that, where it's a completely vivid memory. What it is, individual, magically detailed imagination, um, without without which memory is a stereotype or a tear sheet. So he has to bring ah. in this. He calls it the third sight. You bring it all into the third sight. Bring it into the center of awareness, and because of that, that adds to the the texture of time in the presence. So the that's presence. really funny that you bring this up because it's. Uh, Simultaneous to me reading this, I was going through some old um, videos by Ralph Ring, who was uh, who worked with Otis T. Carr in building uh, alternative uh, spacecraft vehicles in the 1950s, huh. and and he Otis T. Carr worked with Nikola Tesla, and one thing that Ralph Ring said that they had to do to make this ship uh, move in in this nonlinear way was to visualize, visualize the color aquamarine. <laughs> I know. And so, which was totally tripping me out. Cause here we have the two, the two ladies named aqua and marina. What, it, and, and it's combined at one point in the novel too. They combine the two, the two names together as a color. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Wow. Wow. So that was a trip. Wait, say but, that again. You have to, what, what was it? You yeah. To... He said that the, the, their whole thing in Ralph Ring, I mean, there's videos of this, uh, of his lectures on YouTube, but he, he was working. Oh, and the other thing that's so hilarious is that Ralph Ring was basically working for the equivalent of Yo-Yo Dine in Southern California. <laughs> I mean, like they're basically, he, he was supposed yeah. to be doing these magnetic experiments on h how to tr levitate something. And he was, um, Oh, that's and, another aspect. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> here but, we have the say, walking on hands thing too. But anyways, it, but say, that said, it, say that again with the aquamarine thing. Yeah, they, the, the the this the like drive system of this uh this ship 
And they made this ship and they advertised that they made it and they made it, they had billboards for it. And the FBI eventually came in and shut down this operation. But they, uh, they, they, yeah, you had to focus (laughs) on this uh, two cone shaped thing, this drive thing. And, uh, um, and they, and they said to make it work, part of what you have to do is visualize the color aquamarine. And ah, that's it. That's exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's crying of lot 49 combining everything. There's one point where he's talking about how does wearing um, sunglasses of different tints to the lens I know. change Again. the way you speak. <laughs> yeah. Again, and very and, and there we have our Twin Peaks sort of uh, whatever doctor what's his name with the red and blue glasses and uh, yeah. I mean, that's why I was. There's so many aspects that are relevant to past books that we've done. Um, so, but yeah. You know um, what's interesting about uh, you were talking about I, I my my sound cut out for one second, but we were talking about the. Uh, crying a lot 49 and remember when the what was it the perpetual motion machine yeah yeah exactly that's, that's <laughs> the it. demon the the nephestus machine the nephestus yeah. machine because right. I, there's a new book by peter biebergall uh called strange frequencies and right. he's, he's talking about somebody made like a uh it's 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 so bizarre like a, a spirit contacting machine and you know this this guy said well it totally works and then and then somebody said well i wonder what would happen if we just if we made the machine on paper to see and it's like oh it totally works and then this guy said well, that's not real and so he tries it and he's like well, it doesn't work and then he realizes that on the on the, on the diagram of the circuit that there's a a filament missing and so he connects it and then it works <laughs> <laughs> weird but no, it, I, it does seem like, yeah. I, this is off topic, but one of the thing, but it's relative to the Yoda, Yoda dime thing. Ralph Ring said that he figured out how to levitate this item based on his observations of how a bumblebee flies, uh, uh, this acoustic element, and he brought it to the head of the thing. And the guy was like, "Look, I know you're right, but we can't." we can't show this to anybody because our job is just to research and we get money to research. We don't get money to salt make solutions. And, uh-huh. and, uh, it was just, that sounded so yo-yo dine to like have this sort of endless money being put into something that where, yeah. Well, even, anyway. even with the, uh, the bumblebee, the insect and incest and nicest and see. Oh, in the yeah. scrabble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, it, but, but even like, and then the outlawing of electricity, you know, like that, that whole thing. What do you I guys don't... make of that? What do you guys make of alternative, still, alternative, yeah, yeah, um, why this alternative timeline as it relates to technology, um, which, I mean, I'm fascinated by, but like. Uh, well, no, right off the bat, they're flying on jickers, right? Yeah, yeah, jickers, the magic carpet. <laughs> right, right, and you're like, <laughs> what? <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> but there's something, I think like authorial or book like about the jickers in my mind wow that's i know i never i just i skimmed over that that and i didn't know how to make what they really were (laughs) yeah they're flying carpets basically but what 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 do you mean by that doug i i don't know it was something that kind of happened at the end it just was like this is the author's device to be able to see everything the the jicker like the book is the flying carpet kind of somehow mm. 
he, he like it's weird though because they don't they don't describe it as as flying too high. It's just it's just a little bit off the ground all the time. Um, Levitation. Oh, this is yeah. what you meant by that. Maybe I yeah yeah exactly. So okay. so so it's like um. I, I kind of got it. I kind of got it like up ab- above the tree level, though. You were thinking that it's not that. No, it, it's described. Uh, I don't know where that is. Yeah, it just describes it just a little bit above the ground. I think there's there may be even a, a regulation <laughs> according to that. <laughs> you can't go that far up. Oh, here we go. What is this? Okay, um, the pleasure of suddenly discovering the right knack of topsy turvy locomotion was rather like. Learning to man after many painful and uh, ignominious fall, those delightful gliders called magic carpets or jickers <laughs> that a boy that were given a boy on his twelfth birthday in the adventurous days before the great reaction. Here's something else I don't like. This is all yeah. this weird history. And then what a breathtaking long neuro caress when one became airborne for the first time and managed to skim over a haystack, a tree. Okay, a burn, a barn, while grandfather deadless veen deadless again wow <laughs> steven deadless running with upturned face flourished a flag and fell into the horse pond okay it's yeah, like the charles an- del chow stuff i mean <laughs> this again alternative propulsion technology yeah hmm yeah it, but that thing um that thing that you said about aqua aqua marine um being what fuels this technology there's something in it there's something huge to that and i, I think that's what nabokov is playing with in general this 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 idea of synesthesia or at one point he calls it uh chronosthesia right and like that's the other funny part of of uh von veen's character is that he's a he's a therapist right instead of a therapist he he talks to he talks to lunatics and and visionaries who have these these dreams and visions of of Terra, yeah. and because of that, he can work out a, a kind of an alternative history of Terra, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so the letters—is it letters to or letters from Terra? From yeah, letters from Terra by Teresa. And, <laughs> and so that <laughs> well, so and and so it is. I mean, at that point, the book goes slightly sci-fi a little bit. So like, where yeah. there's a capsule and stuff, and and you think, I mean, I didn't know what the hell was going on, but <sighs> when she arrives from anti-Terra to Terra, it's like she's microscopic. Oh, that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a suggestion that maybe like where is Terra? Like where does it exist, right? Is it is it another planet off in space somewhere? But the there's a suggestion that it could be inner space. It could be yeah. in the, the, the the your your own cells in your body. <laughs> well, and then uh, and then you basically get into this whole talk about um, you know, uh fragmented part of your parts of your ancestry acting through your body. I mean, mm. you know what I'm saying, Zanor? That was in that same part. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they talk about the the Z gene too, right? Which is the <laughs> uh, which is uh, what is that ancestor at the beginning? Uh, like that goes way. Uh, Zemsky, yeah. The Zemsky the Zemsky gene that produces these beautiful slim women. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, even with the the 
the the the Paris or the Venus um, club, there was conversations about certain only certain lines of of women being used in it and that was that was really bizarre uh, yeah including including royal families yeah and there's they talk about the veens as the the children of venus too which is oh yeah yeah it's so weird like it and and the fact that uh von veen he he goes to these villa venus's villa venus clubs all over the place (laughs) which are called the original conception for them it is that they are an organized dream, <laughs> which is great. Golly. Uh, but he, but yeah. he goes he he goes to these places all the time, meets all these well not meets like uh, like has intercourse or whatever with all these like girls like thousands maybe, and uh, looking to recreate his original summer with with Ada. No, yeah, well, I mean, that's incestuous too. You could have, you could say if 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 the Veens are of Venus and he's frequenting this same, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and he doesn't seem to find her there until the uh, until the very end of like the Villa Venuses um, go into total collapse and corruption. Yeah, after after the king goes there, the the, the king of King Victor of half of the world, he goes there and has this terrible experience. I mean, which I'm not quite sure what it was, but uh, this terrible experience. And then from that point on, they just went into complete decline. And then now his it, encounter with Ada there was, I didn't know if that was real or if that was a hallucination. No, that, that wasn't, it wasn't Ada. It was a, it was a, a prostitute who basically resembled her, reminded her. him so much of, okay. of Ada. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, I, it, I it seemed like case, it seemed but... like he that was his search all the way through. Like that was why, in in a way, that was why he was he was attending these things so often is to try to find her again. So, oh. what about this? I mean, this there's something there's something about the the physicality of what it's describing, and then the metaphor that it represents that was kind of. Uh, it's startling. So, like, there, there is. You guys, have you guys read uh, Gravity's Rainbow? Yeah, portions of it. Yeah, because it, I mean, I felt like there's like a lot of weird graphic sex in that book too. Mm. I thought of that when you when I was reading th- this. What you had said about that, I remember that that was your your commentary on that. But so I, I just wonder about like there's like the dirty old man factor in this book, mm. you know, like the, the kind of the the ground, the 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 realm that Kubrick or Nabokov kind of exist in is this kind of white patriarchal kind of uh, leery. There's something creepy about it. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder about that perspective because Except, it's, it's not that necessarily because it is metaphor. I kept imagining the guy from the dancing part in Eyes Wide Shut, the the Hungarian guy, <laughs> like as being like of this world, you know. But it, but there's a kind of innocence there as well. I think that's what he wants to get to. Like it, um, the the sex is not. Like there's sex all the way through, but it's not graphic in the way that 
that gravity's rainbow is. Like gravity's no. rainbow yeah. is 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 pretty like vivid, you know, like vivid and graphic. But this it's all it's all this dreamy wordplay constantly. Um and uh at one point, they talk about like they're reading all the two children are reading this pornographic literature that they find in their father's uh, library, yeah. but they say they say they they really like um, uh, Rabelais and uh, and Casanova, but they hate uh, the Sad and Masoch. You know, they hate this kind of like uh, like sado sado masochistic mm-hmm. um, sex, which doesn't involve. Uh, love basically like uh, um, and that's I think that's what he's uh, Von Wien is trying to recapture all the way through um, going to the Villa Venus all the time and he's not finding it until he finally reunites with, with Ada um, mm. but the, so it's kind of like a, it's, it's, it's the innocence of love making before the fall like in, in, in the Garden of Eden basically right yeah, hmm. especially yeah. that 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 first summer. Um, well, the, I remember? mean the, the the tree episode, like it's written in such a way that you know what's going on, but do you really know what's going on? Do you remember that first scene in the tree before they had ever made love? But he kind of ends up. Fa- well, she she kind of falls on him and straddles him, right? Right. Um, and that yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the first love-making scene although it's it's like you remember there's a kind of marginal note later on where ada is saying she's not really sure when exactly she lost her virginity because he was like caressing and kissing and proding <laughs> like probing and yeah. probing everywhere you know so so she she said she lost it somewhere in the shuffle you know <laughs> but, but even even early on in the novel i i thought he is this is all this is just a device or i it seemed so connected to construct of memory. Like, so those are such impressionable uh, aspects of how human, human memory works, like sex, early sexual encounters. So like, it seemed like, um, you know, this, and that's why I liked about your Blade Runner comment, Doug, because I kept imagining them having to retell the most powerful memories they have as a means of constructing or locating themselves, you know? And so this whole recount of their past is like the, the Blade Runner pictures that they have implanted memories and the pictures that they get, you know, to like give them, you know, a belief that they are human, you know? To me, this book has more of a, like a 19th century feel. I mean, so it feels more like, I mean, there's definitely the Russian Tolstoy. Yeah. Like, like pre, like it, 1800s, like when it's taking place, it, it, it feels more like like that time period, even though whenever the, like the, because he wrote, he wrote it in the, you know, late 50s, early 60s. Like that's a whole different world than that, and anytime that world asserts itself a little bit, it it's just it it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. And it's like, what just happened? It's like <laughs> it's also like uh, there's a fifty year interval between the worlds too, um, 
So something yeah. that ha- so something uh, what is it like uh, something that happens in uh, like eighteen ninety in anti terra would be uh, nineteen forty in in our world. You know, um, so they would have the same kind of standard of living or technology. The technology is different, but the same kind of um, progression in their timeline at, at that point. There's kind of this 50-year gap, um, which is also interesting. But that, that whole part about um, uh, Tolstoy, right? Like the, the book starts with a quote from Tolstoy, right. but it's not, it's not really the... The real it, Toy it's, Story. It's reversed. Like, it, like I just looked it up. Uh, um, so in, the, in our book, it says, in Ada, it says, uh, all happy families... Uh, all happy families are more or less dissimilar. All unhappy ones are more or less alike, right? And Which then, is, if you read in if yeah. you read in Tolstoy, all happy families are alike, but an unhappy family is unhappy after its own fashion. <laughs> it's, it's exactly opposite. It's like a, and that's a weird thing too, because some some books he completely changes, right? Like he, so he says like. Alice in the Camera Obscura, right? But some authors, um, and it, yeah, a good one is like, uh, in, instead of T.S. Eliot's Wasteland, he calls it The Wasteline. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but, but some authors, he, it's exactly, like he talks, he talks about Joyce and Proust and different authors. So it's like some of the authors um, translate into Antiterra almost exactly and other ones, uh, it's yeah, he flips them. They're, they're the inverse, or they're corrupted in in some way. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. so, so, what do we make, okay, uh, listeners? So, not only do we have their our two lovebirds, but Ada has a little sister who also loves Vaughn, like really loves him. And so, what do we make? What do we make of that? Like, there's one super vivid scene that you reminded me of, of when they're they find this secret compartment in this chest of drawers, and they find a little pink <laughs> pink pawn. Chest, yeah. Chest oh piece. yeah yeah yeah. And it's just so vivid. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so there's this strange thing where, uh. Vaughn, even though Lucette's so in love with Vaughn, Vaughn will not, um, he won't have sex with her, especially later on. Even though it seems like they were doing all kinds of stuff when they were, when they were young as a, as a trio, you know? Yeah. 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 And then, and then the two sisters got it on. Oh, they were doing them. all kinds of stuff too. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And then in, later in life, she's like, Claiming she's only like quarter virgin or something, <laughs> and, but but it's like intimated that she like, or I don't know if it's intimated. Maybe they literally say that like sh- her thing is oral sex or something. I don't. It, it, and then the the pink pawn was very clitoral in its uh, oh my description. Gracious, yes. Would yeah. they even talk about like a uh, clitorism? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So okay. What? Well, um. 
And did you guys get, I didn't get this myself. I looked it up. Uh, well, I saw this in some other article I was reading. But uh, the Scrabble, like the Super Scrabble, um, Flavita, yeah. The guy who gives it to them, I think it's it's described as an uncle or something. Is this guy Baron Klim Avadov, right? And this is an anagram of Vladimir Nabokov. <laughs> so it's Nabokov who gives them the super Scrabble that that it makes the entire world an anagram, right? <laughs> and, and and therefore connects together everything. Uh, well, <laughs> apparently, so like the volume that I had had endnotes by Vivian Darkbloom, which which <laughs> yeah. which was also another anagram, I think, for Vladimir Nabokov. Oh, okay. <laughs> but your, so your, your your book has notes to it. It did. I mean, I don't have it in front of me anymore, but it it had it had notes. That's so funny because also that's a very David Foster Wallace thing. I mean, you can go to the Harry Ransom Center and see the annotated uh, books from his collection. You know, it's like all of his notes and the margins. Yeah, mine doesn't have notes unless it's it's all incorporated into the text or something. Maybe. Uh, Let me see if I can find find what I'm talking about. Maybe. You know which? What is the uh, publisher of, of yours? Or? I'm Doug. Look at you with reading the hard copy. No, I didn't read the hard copy. I listened oh, okay. to this sector. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I wonder, and so that's that's an interesting point, Dennis, because I wonder if by reading it, it it's a little there's a little more active effort, and so you might end up getting. Like I wonder if if I if I'm like if my interest flags at all if some some of the stuff washes over and that's why I am not comprehending. Yeah, I I think that happens. I, I it happens with um, me. Yeah, I need to like I I didn't listen to it. I think it would be great to listen to because the, the prose is so beautiful. But uh, um, I I would read it and then reread sentences constantly. And I think if I listened to it, I wouldn't be able to do like I wouldn't be pausing it and rewinding like cutting I, yeah I, it, that'd be uh it'd be difficult to do if i was listening yeah um yeah i i can't find anything anywhere on did you guys check out the ada or ada i always want to say ada but i think the pun as constructed so that's pronounced ardor yeah, it's an English English pronunciation of Ada, like so Ada, Ada. So yeah, so the the title is supposed to sound exactly the same. Yeah. Ada, Ada, Ada. Yeah, like the yeah the A's have a slight R sound to them. And that was like the the Russian nanny or something yeah i don't remember the the other thing about their names is that um ada means hades in uh, in russian right oh. so you have the sense that she is hell and then von von is nirvana which is heaven <laughs> right so it's it's the marriage of heaven and hell um 
or the marriage mm. of good, good and evil, or beyond good and evil, um, before the fall. Huh. See, that's that's the interesting thing about this book is that it it is so much work to get to that level. Yeah. Um, well, um, do we? What more do we have to say about the? Like when they were talking about the idea that Terra is a um, mass hallucin- hallucination or a uh, you know psychological disorder, the thing that got me about that is this idea that it's really all. Or, I know it's described as two places, but I kept thinking about it as it could be one place, but you're like psychologically projecting the potentially ideal planet outside of it, of what it, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just meant. Yeah, completely. I'd I'd say so. I think this has to do with um, his idea of the texture of time, right? And, Mm -hmm. and the the idea that there is no future, right? There's only, there's, there's the present. And then what he calls, what is that? The, uh, um, it's not the expanded presence. Uh, I forget what that's called. Um, uh, yeah, he has a term for this. Anyways, yeah, I would like to go of, back and re- go back through all that. Uh, it's very the, meaty. The Good. deliberate, he calls it the deliberate presence. The deliberate present, which is um, basically, well, almost in the same page or just before that, he calls it the flowering of the present, right? Which is, which is bringing the past into the present through this kind of imaginative or synesthetic, synesthetic uh, memory, right? Um, but the future doesn't exist, right? The future, uh, the future. He it's only he describes the future as only being this infinite series of of forking paths, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it could be anything. So so throughout the novel in various places, like there's a scene where uh, Vaughn kills himself after his father finds out that he's he he has been sleeping with Ada, right? He kills himself. He shoots himself in the head, but then um, it's a forking path, and actually it was just a comb that he was using to brush his hair. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. But he, but he describes it as being like, these things fork off all the time. There's different timelines all the time. So there is a timeline where he did actually kill himself. But the timeline that we continue with is, is, is the present one where he's, he's still alive. And then there's another scene where he meets um, after, I think it's 1922 or something. Uh, no, no, before that, like 19, uh, 1905 or whatever, when they meet again in, in Switzerland. And uh, he gets shot by a tourist. Right, he slights this tourist, and he gets shot and killed. But then it forks off again, and he's still alive. Right, so so future is the future is always forking off. It's like how many times it, it says like how many times during sleep do you die, but then actually yeah. you continue because you're on. Like it's well, and an even idea, the others, like even Ada's other suitors, Rock and Percy, are really kind of in some regard just aspects of. Uh, Vaughn, because uh, I mean, those are like forks of himself in and, certain. And, and, 
Yeah, exactly. And he kills them in a way. Like he he doesn't kill either of them in the story, but he he fully intends to kill them, yeah. and they end up dead, right? Um, They're so. like failed versions of his of their story of him and yeah. This is where I um, I really wonder how this informed uh, Terence McKenna's view of time, right? Because McKenna's view of time was all about the future and all about this kind of inevitable singularity that all of time progressed towards, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in in this, it's like uh, and and McKenna said this is where it, this is where he took a lot of his ideas on on time. But oh, this, really? Uh, oh. Yeah, but in this one, the uh, the the future doesn't exist. It's all it's all this infinite forking paths, right? So there is like. A, Have you read Borges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not for a long time. I I haven't read him for a long time either. But there's the story of the garden. What's of that, forking, Doug? What the garden that, Doug? of the garden of forking paths. Yeah, and that's exactly what he's referring to too. I think. Um, there's. That's there's, what McKenna's referring to. Or? No, that's what Nabokov is referring to, right? McKenna's got a totally different idea. Like he's got this. Well, obviously he's got the uh, like the 2012 point, the singularity point, where all the there is only one timeline which everything converges to this point. But for for Nabokov, it just there's there's infinite possibilities. All all that exists is the present, and and the best form of the present is informed by the past, kind of in this in this kind of magical imaginative way. Um, through language, um, yeah, hmm. yeah. So I, I apparently McKenna said that he, um, if he hadn't have gotten into psychedelics, he would have been a, a Nabokov professor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the people, you know, the people that are that are fans seem to be fiends, you know, where they're <laughs> they're taking every sentence apart and showing how constructed everything really is right mm. so like this 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 auto online site it 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 oh yeah that's a that's limited okay that's a giant yeah. yeah wow i didn't know i don't know i've only gone through that a little bit but that that's yeah i wish it had a better search function i i can't find the search function anyways there's something both like sophisticated about the layout of this thing, but also like really not very user friendly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Cause it's like uh, different chunks that are all, it's like you get this little limited window that you can scroll through and yeah. Yeah, exactly. You kind of need to know what, where it is already that you want to search for before you can find it. Like, um, like I wanted to find out the whole what the thing about electricity means, like the banning of electricity. Yeah. Like what? How does that fit into the whole thing? Um, and there's got to be there's got to be a way it does. Um, but this is an interesting point too: is that uh, Nabokov hated Freud, yeah, and he hated the whole the whole idea of symbolism, right? For him, um, symbolism is or or allegory. It's a similar thing where you're looking apart from what's there, yeah, what's there already on the surface, right? And so it's um, so if you're looking at one object and then thinking, what is the symbol behind this object? You've already lost it, you know. the The point is is to pay attention to what's in front of you, and then to look how that thing is connected to the whole web of uh, of of the senses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, it's funny that you should invoke Freud because in the book that I just read, the Time Loops book, like Freud is also this giant precog. Jung and Freud were precogs, and they had like their key dreams that like they build their foundation of their career upon is a precognitive dream that's about not their patient, you know, not their theory, but about their own life, the fate of their life. And, <laughs> that's good. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and in in this book, uh, in Ada, Freud is called Freud. He he spelled F R O I D, which is in French as foie, which is cold, <laughs> like Doctor Cold. <laughs> 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 Somebody who doesn't get it, he's left out in the cold. Well, there there's a cycle. Vaughn had expressed a thought at one point that was very Jungian. I don't remember, but uh, it was in his sort of psychological uh, psychology writings. But yeah, but, I wonder. I wonder what hmm. uh, Nabokov thinks of Jung. You know? like he might be more sympathetic towards Jung. He, he, he definitely hates Freud, but which is weird because a lot of his stuff seems Freudian. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, hmm. I think it's that it's that idea that um, it's it's not a matter of depth. You know, it's a matter of this kind of radical surface. You know, um, this textured, in, incredibly intricately textured surface. Where where everything is is interlinked. So in terms of like hard books, we tend to like the hard books. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah no, I, it's been great. Yeah, I wonder, like, after this one was done, like the nice thing about uh the wolf was that it was definitely one that you could reread rather quickly again and mm-hmm. and get more from but like these big books really feel like like uh we we all, almost have to hold hands and say we're going to do this we're jumping <laughs> off this cliff together yeah. and so it's hard for me to imagine like i was so happy to be done so mm-hmm. happy um, but as we talk about it and we realize, you know, like as, as I get your impressions, I, you know, I'm, you guys let me know that there's a lot that I was missing and that it is, it is this beautiful object and that there is a world in there. It's just not the world that I thought I was getting. So, yeah. I mean, so like, how, how about this, Dennis? Like, which one would you be more likely to reread? The Recognitions, Infinite Jest, Ulysses, or Ada? Um, well, I, probably The Recognitions, because I've, I've done Infinite Jest a few times, and uh, I would still really like to go back to Recognitions at some point. But That's um, so interesting that that's the one for you. Well, I don't know. I well, don't know. No, I mean, but I, I probably toss up a three-sided coin, and, I, and whatever comes <laughs> down. <laughs> Yeah, one of those uh, one of those dungeon and dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't read the recognitions. I still want to get that. Get my hands on that sometime. Well, for whatever reason, I think Ulysses seems more approachable to me. Like, it's strange because I don't know that I like before we we had talked. I wouldn't say my introductions. You know, put him in the. In the club of Proust and Joyce and 
Kafka. I don't know who wrote that. But I just <laughs> uh, maybe it was the the New York Times writer. Yep, Kafka, Proust, and Joyce. In terms of like, it doesn't. I wouldn't have said that this was on par with Ulysses. Mm. But after speaking, I I think you know probably it is. Yeah, I was kind of I was I was I was pretty blown away by this. Yeah, um, I was reading uh, Harold Bloom, the the famous uh, literary critic, um, talking about Nabokov, and he he's he, he doesn't think it it measures up to Proust. And oh, Proust. really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he kind of thinks it's a big step down. Like like uh, Nabokov is sort of um, like a like a second rate Proust almost. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Which I haven't I haven't read Proust yet, so I don't, I'm not. Me sure neither. That, but but. Uh, I think it sounds like, though, that Nabokov is doing something completely different that Bloom is missing. I think it's, so. It's my take. I mean, so, mm. but you get, I get that from the the Foster Wallace, like. Um, yeah, Bloom hates that too. He yeah. does. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Because I, yeah. I think, man, I'm just blown away that he was able to do that at such a young age, and that it, there's just so much depth in that thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see I can see why I was kind of haunted by it a little bit. And yeah, reading more of these books, like this book especially, um I do think there must have been a there there must have been a heavy influence from this book on Infinite Jest. Um Yeah. You can reading these books you can sort of make sense more of what Infinite Jest is about. Every time the word supon soup was used in this book, it reminded me of Infinite Jest, which, like, I've always thought that Every word time. used so much in that book. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's funny because the second this, like, I'm nearing, and Dennis, I'm not kidding, the Stupid. last forty, the last 45 minutes are great. Like there's something Yeah, I'm going to be way more prepared for this talk 45 <laughs> minutes from now. <laughs> but um my 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 desire is like, "Oh god, I want to do something easy. I want to do something easy next." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, I think it would be I'm I'm uh But I'm then I also, also I'm wondering is our club falling apart? Yeah. Oh, because nobody's oh, showing yeah. up. But, Who, yeah. Who cares? Uh, I mean, don't worry about that. I mean, yeah, it seems know. like everything's falling apart, so it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is now. Like, I don't, and I don't. I mean, you know, I what can you can't you can't you can't, you can't control that. I mean, but uh, one thing I was to say is I do think a a, a a short one would be fun and. um who knows? Maybe other other people would want to do that. But like, uh, um, I was I'm reading the Silver Key by uh, um, uh, Lovecraft. Oh, I, I I wrote a huge like Did you? piece on that. Yeah, in my blog, I, I still have to write the, uh, you, the fourth you one. It, son of a gun! I'm gonna yeah, look should, it up. Yeah, okay. you should read that. What did you say about it? Or, oh, shit. all kinds That's, of stuff. I don't like want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. All right. That, Let's yeah, talk. A, we can talk about the book we're reading. No, that's no, a great. Me. That's a great piece. That's a great one, though. Uh, but even um, uh, "Crying of Lot 49 is a short book. It's a difficult book, but it's short enough that you can go through the entire thing oh, again. 
And uh, you know, that's what I was thinking about too, Zenor. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> like alternative Russian history embedded in Crying of Lot 49 in terms of uh, Russian connection in Southern California. Um, so that that I thought of that as we were reading this in terms of the sort of like alternative. What what exactly? I don't remember that. Well, I I think don't don't they talk about. Um, uh, sunken ships yeah. off the coast of California and what oh, yeah. Russian. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. There's that whole thing about the, uh, the yeah, bones the, the naval the cap, ash, yeah. the naval captain, and and which yeah, yeah, I don't know if I've ever show. told you this story, but I met a guy in L.A. whose grandfather, oh, well, they were Russian uh, immigrants, and his grandfather owned a Russian uh, ship um, clipper ship. And he said, he, this guy, eventually we had this long conversation. He, he, he's a photographer. And, uh, and um, his grandfather eventually was smuggling guns into California on this clipper ship. And he became an FBI informant and was put into the witness protection program. And he said that his grandfather lived in San Diego and like everybody on the block was in the witness protection program. Huh. Which was like so, so uh, uh, pinch yeah. on to me, like in hindsight. Uh, and then yeah. another sort of Russian uh, connection, which was interesting. But I yeah. liked the crying of Lot 49 a lot. I what really were you going to say that. about it, Znor? Yeah, sorry. Just, just that it's, um, it's such a, a short book, but it's still difficult. It's still incredibly meaty you know like yeah that, uh, um but it's an easy read in the in the fact that you can read it quickly uh and then you can go back and you can find all kinds of layers of stuff to it right so it doesn't mean um like having a short book doesn't mean that it it, it can't be uh we can't explore it a lot you know well uh, yeah no i mean so i'm drawing a blank i had well i mean so that i uh, sorry, listeners. That was yabbity doo doo forty two minutes. <laughs> we just kind of we just kind of went. We never really. I kept thinking, how could this be not forty two minutes yet? Because normally I'm like totally freaking out about how short it is. But like uh, we clearly just, we've gone we way just past. Kinda, it. Yeah, it's a, we're okay. an hour and seventeen minutes oh, okay, in at good. this uh, point. Uh, we're not even pretending anymore. All right. Okay. Good. Forty two minutes is uh, it's it's. it's uh, <laughs> It's a spiritual link. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's, it's, it's different on this planet, you know. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is the anti-Terra version. Anti Forty-two minutes more in the future. <laughs> I mean, so, like, yeah. I'm always got to be planets like that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always trying to find things that will engage everyone. Alex recommended. Like a new book, uh, The Overstory. I've never read any oh, – I can't think of the guy's name. Richard Powers, I think, was his name. And I know that, that he's written a bunch of interesting stuff. And so I thought, well, that could be that could be interesting to read something brand new as opposed to some of these, these older things. And so there was a whole list of things that I was suggesting at that point. Like Tolstoy, you know, what if we did Anna Karenina because that is the – the mirror version of this thing on some level, wow. you know, that's, that's an incredible book. Um, no. and that is a big 
book too. That's, but a, that's a monster though. That, uh, I've got it right here. So how many pages? That's got <laughs> my copy. It's got uh, eight hundred and fifty-three pages. But of small print. You know, <laughs> somebody who I haven't read. I mean, I have read a little bit, but this reminds me of too because it's it's in that same vein of McKenna is Robert Anton Wilson. Right, right. <laughs> you love, <laughs> you love it, you love it. You always want to do that. Well, so and I don't know. I mean, it's like <sighs> I'm game. I'm game for whatever. I don't I, I'm, ga- I'm game for whatever that. too. I just I I love my, my the... copy of Illuminatus is in Canada. I can't. I, I almost <laughs> brought it back. But... <laughs> is your is the three volumes in one volume? Is it or is it? Yeah, it's in the one volume. Yeah. Oh. Have you ever done the the cosmic trigger? No, no, I haven't. I, I I don't know if I've read one of those books. I might have at some point read one of those ones, but oh no, no, a cosmic. Tri- yeah, you mean uh, the the nonfiction stuff? Is is the cosmic trigger nonfiction? Yeah, uh, yeah, cosmic trigger is non. Yeah, uh, cosmic trigger one is is amazing. Like that's uh, that's that's kind of what started my blog off, you know. Right, and so a lot of people really latched on to that, but I was, I was, for whatever reason, uh, dove into his the Illuminatus trilogy. Oh yeah, that's a, that's what I got into first too. Is Illuminatus. Um, I've but, got uh, I've got House of Leaves on my shelf too that I brought home. Yeah, I brought back here this summer, but I haven't haven't started that yet. I think Alex has read it. That uh, what's his name? Um, my, Daniel uh, Dillo, blah 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 blah. It's Zerlinsky or Zer something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, like, Mark, I, I Mark would like to read that. Daniel, Lu, yeah, something. Yeah, Danielowski, I think. Daniel, yeah. there we go. Is. But for what? So I actually thought, well, what if we did read Borges? You know, like his whole. There's. It seems like, as far as I can tell, there's just one collection of short stories that everyone reads. Um, uh, labyrinth, co- uh, uh, collected fictions. Collected. I've I've got yeah I've got a yeah I think I've got that one. The uh, like all of his yeah collected fictions is what I've got. But that's that's got all of his stuff, right? Yeah. But there are, there are parts in that we could read. I guess that. I, I, yeah, I think we we'll, we'll probably just have to chew it over and see. But there's nothing like you guys. What is there anything that's really jumping out at either of you right now that you're like, man, I think this is what the club should do. Um, no, I can't. Like, you're talking about like what does this book lead to? Yeah, directly. Or yeah, yeah like where are you compelled? So like that's the other thing. Like what am I compelled to read right now? And because this is kind of a big commitment for us. You know, it does. It's both fun and not fun in that because it's it is a little bit of work. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This was this was huge fun for me. I I I really like this. It didn't take that long either. Like it, um, Infinite Jest was much more of a a slog just because it's a lot longer. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it was even more work, but for whatever reason, I enjoyed it so much more. Even though really, yeah. I, I started hating it at the end, too. <laughs> hey, hey, Doug, have, have you ever 
Have you ever um, put it on like uh, a little bit faster setting? <laughs> no, I've never done that. <laughs> Have oh, you ever done that? I just I figured something out this week too, which is even worse, Dennis. You can what? you can turn your iPhone onto voiceover mode, and then the the computer Siri will read your Kindle books. Oh, too. oh, interesting. And so well, it's kind of nice. Well. I mean, like, if you have to, like, muscle your way through a book, like, in a weekend, it's totally yeah. doable to have your computer read you a book. <laughs> I, you know, I have never done meth, but I did do, uh, like, 10 hours of this book on 1.5 speed. And, uh, and, uh, it was, it was, it was something. You're talking about Ada? You did Ada? Yeah. I did, I did, I did almost 10 hours of this book today. Uh, wow okay yeah wow. at, at 1.5 speed for most of the day <laughs> it was something it was interesting uh, yeah that's great so my retention was a little weak maybe but uh but uh, the other two books just so you know you asked the question the other two books i'm reading right now on audiobook are thomas pynchon's against the day which is really right in my wheelhouse because it has a lot of late 1800s alternative propulsion uh stuff and mm. then um and then the other one i'm reading is uh um uh i'm blanking on it and uh i don't remember um there's something else but i forget i don't know why i don't oh i started reading uh, jr but I, I i'm not very far in that so- uh, the william gaddis jr Oh yeah. So you're feeling you're feeling the pension pull. I I fucking love that shit. It's so good, and uh, it's such a trip. Oh, I meant to say I also went through Bleeding Edge after our conversation several books ago. Um, uh, I really I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I found it. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I I was curious about what his take on nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I wouldn't, I would say I kind of disagree. So I was curious of why that particular interpretation is what he's putting out. You know, I'm I'm curious why you disagree. What what was it that you disagreed with? Well, I I guess um, I guess I'm not sold that there was actually a plane, um, and uh, and that that or, or or that the or that Islamic terrorism is what actually was the driving force behind it. So, Oh, I'm not sure he's saying that, you know, it's like he, he um, the thing that uh, I got from that book is that he's saying that the whole system together conspired to make nine 11 happen. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and that, I think that's what he's saying in other books too, like in, uh, in gravity's rainbow too, like the whole, uh, which that actually is, re- I, I can't say I disagree with that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it it's not even that it's a conspiracy of people. It's a conspiracy of 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 like the the system as a as a mechanism, right? As See, and I knew that you had had said this previously, and uh, but it's been a while since I read the the book, so I'm glad you're. Yeah, okay. But that's I wish a, we could yeah, that's a good one. On I, I I'm I'm uh, I think, but I'm with you in a way. I I didn't get as much out of that book. Um, Aside from those ideas, as I did from from his earlier stuff, I, 
Um, but uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind reading that again. That's a that's not a it's not a difficult read. No, no, not at all. Yeah, that was fun. I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't just be the pension <laughs> pension book selection and these challenging classics. I do. I'm I'm getting a lot out of it and uh, and yeah. Late 1800s thinkers, man. There's something about people writing at the end of a of a century. Um, uh, have Have you guys read Tolstoy before? Have you... I I started I into it last winter, and I was really enjoying it. But whatever, it must have been the the infinite jest took over my time. Mm, like yeah. there's no way to do both those at the same time. I just couldn't. yeah, it'd be hard. Uh, but so I was definitely and Infinite Jeff. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that. Um... Oh yeah, I started that once. I take that back. Anna, Anna, Karen, and though um, it's just it's the best kind of psychological novel, I guess I'd call it, that I've ever read. Like it, it gets into people's heads better than any other thing I've read, uh, from character to character, like complete completely different psyches that he's able to like transfer from one to it to the other um and uh it it really uh kind of informs what we just read in in nabokov's book too um with the, with the suicide and everything else i've i've heard people talk about victor hugo's les mis because i know that's another giant, i haven't read that one giant sprawling book but it it, it 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 has multitudes in it as well, and then yeah. and so I've always been curious about it. I think the audiobook runs like sixty hours, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, we've done a lot of those. Though. We've done we've done a couple sixty hour ones. But then the Frankenstein just turned two hundred, and that's such a an interesting book, also. Yeah, that, yeah, that's great, and that's not that's not big at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, I mean that that's it's it's there's there's choices for sure. You know, I I'm I, I, I'm always so Alex. What was Alex's suggestion? Suggestion? Alex suggested a book by Richard Powers, brand new, called The Overstory, and it's about um, it's about the ecological connection. So like the the, the communication of trees. Oh wow. Uh, it sounds good, but it's it's brand new and it was nominated for the Man Booker Prize, and so, uh, I, and I think this guy's written, you know, he he's written a bunch of good stuff. He's, uh, but it you know it'd be it'd be curious to dig into something. I think, yeah, I don't. I wonder if it, we would classify it a hard book or not. It it might very well be. But like there is something when I think about this that like that a hard book is hard by design, you know, like mm. like when you're reading something that's that is literary fiction, there is an element of hardness to it, but it isn't so like mine. <laughs> it's just so impenetrable, you know. It's like there's something about this book that was. So unyielding. <laughs> well, the other thing is that, like you yeah. said in your, like you said in your intro, this book um, is is at least twice as long as 
all of his other books, you know, like uh, uh, Lolita and Pale Fire and all these other books. It's, this is like like more than twice as long, you know. So we we chose the uh, the hardest one to to focus on from the. That's the first time I've read Malakoff. Me know, too. Like, uh, this was my <laughs> and I thought, well, I have to do Lolita too, and then I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't know. This will be fine. I'll just see how this how this goes. But then it's interesting. I guess you know maybe. The length had to do with these two things that he was putting together. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if that, if the Wikipedia page is to be trusted, where where there is the, he has these two ideas that he ended up unifying in, and and so if we're talking about twin, <laughs> if we're talking about twins, there, there they are. You know, these two. These yeah. So so one he he wanted to he wanted to write the texture of time. Yeah. Right. And then the other one was like the family chronicle idea, right? The letters to uh, letters to Tara. Oh, he wanted to write a whole book of letters to Tara. Or le- letters from Tara, yeah. Oh, uh, letters from Tara. He wanted to write a whole book of that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but somehow they came together. In, in Ada, it's just see, it, that, that there's a that love story. I wasn't sold on it. Is the thing. Oh, but yeah, now I am. Like me too. I know exactly what you mean. But now I, I, I see where he's. I, I see where he's coming from. I think more than before. Like it reminds me of. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of reading this book. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Hip, Hypnorata Machia Palafili, which is the strife of love in a dream. It's this anonymous work from the, uh, from the Renaissance that was translated by Jocelyn Godwin. Whoa. And, uh, and it's uh, oh no, it's not anonymous. It's by this guy uh, Francisco Colonna, um, but it's all it's all about like uh, this guy's journey, dream journey into Arcadia. But if you read passages of <laughs> this, it sounds exactly what he's trying to describe, what Nabokov is trying to describe in the in in 1884. Like like here, let me uh, let me read some of this. There was a there was a host of delicate and divine nymphs here of tender years, redolent with the bloom of youth and beautiful beyond belief, together with their beardless lovers who were the perpetual inhabitants of this worthy place. Some of these nymphs, charming with their pert faces, were enjoying themselves in the pure waters. They had gathered their thin silken dresses, bright with many attractive colors, and bundled them up in their snow-white arms, showing their elegant form of their solid thighs, revealing their white legs and rounded calves as far as the fleshy knees, while the limpidly running water bathe their shapely heels and it just goes on like that like uh um the nymphs were not cruel or resistant to their revered lovers but purely benign and affable in their reciprocal affections consent consenting their, to their desires by exposing their naked and generous breasts for which for which the youths appeared extremely grateful to judge by their gestures which were more uh, delicable and welcome than flowing tears are to cruel and impi- impious Cupid, much more so than the fresh brooks of and the daybreak dewfall are to the grassy meadows, and still more to, than the desire of matter for form. <laughs> it, it to me that sounds exactly what he's trying to do in the hmm. in 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 that period. Like there's there's that huge part. Um, I yeah I don't know if you guys still want to talk about the book, but. <laughs> I could go on forever talking about this book. I think. Yeah, there's a huge part where uh, he's talking. Um, where is it? 
in the book uh, where they're talking about afterwards, they're all throughout the countryside, people are talking, like this whole uh, meeting of Ada and Vaughn in 1884 has become this, this myth, basically. It's almost like a, a cult of love. Um, hmm. So it's like, a, what do they say? She had, she had never realized, she said again and again, as if intent to reclaim the past from the matter-of-fact triviality of the, the album, that their first summer in the orchards and orchidariums of artists had become a sacred secret and creed throughout the countryside, romantically inclined handmaids whose reading consisted of Gwendavir and Clara Murtvago adored Vaughn, adored Ada, Adored artists' ardors and arbors, their swains <laughs> plucking ballads on their seven-string Russian lyres under the racemosa in bloom or in old rose gardens, um, added freshly composed lines, naive, lackadaisical, but heartfelt to cyclic folk songs. Eccentric police officers grew enamored with the glamour of incest. Gardeners paraphrase iridescent Persian poems about irrigation and the four arrows of love. Night watchmen fought insomnia in the fire of the clap <laughs> with the weapons of uh, Vaniada's adventures. Herdsmen, spared by thunderbolts on remote hillside, used their huge moaning uh, horns as ear trumpets to catch the lilts of Lador, <laughs> and it, like so on. It's just like uh, um, they, they created this whole countryside cult of love. It's like the, uh, mm. the, the troubadours or something, you know? Um, so he's he's going back to this kind of uh, this Arcadia, this paradise. Wow! Yeah. Mm. So, but uh, that's. A I I really want to read this again. Actually, at some point, I don't know when. Like all of these books, I'd like to read again. Yeah, I kind of want to just sit here and have you read it to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to hear it. Yeah. I should, yeah. Well, so it's funny because I want to reread it too. It's just it's. It, <laughs> I just can't imagine doing it that soon. <laughs> you know. But every once in a while, I mean, I felt like this is what I was doing with Infinite Jest: is that as soon as we had our conversation, then I was I was still digging. In. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. I, I will be doing that because I felt like we were, we were still having conversations about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still want to go back to that one for sure. Then there's like I, I've been going through uh, Ada also, and, and uh, like he's got all these references to other books and stuff. Like they seem like key references, and I like to go back and try to check those as well. What's an example? Uh, what's one that stuck out? Well, you remember when they were discussing their code that they were writing? Yes. After yeah, he and, oh the code book. There is a mention yeah. of a book of codes. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, there's that. Right? But they're also the they base the code on at one point. Like their code gets more and more uh, elaborate and confusing, right? But at at the end, they start basing um, the code uh, from this. This poem by Rimbaud. This. Um, oh yeah. Book. Okay. Yeah. And then this other guy, uh, Marvel, Andrew Marvel, which is an old poem called "The Garden." And I just looked that up. I, I, you can find that online, and it's interesting too. It's, it's, it, 
the garden. It's the same kind of um, Edenic space or whatever. Like it, um, like that. I can read that a little bit. Yeah. Says, how how vainly men themselves amazed to win the palm, the oaks or bays, and their incessant labors see crowned from some single herb or tree, whose short and narrow verge shade does prudently their toils upbraid, while all flowers and all trees do close to weave the garlands of repose. Fair quiet have I found thee here, and innocence thy sister dear. <laughs> Mistaken long I sought you then in busy companies of men. Your sacred plants, if here below, only among the plants were grow. Society is all but rude to this delicious solitude. No white nor red was ever seen so amorous as this lovely green. Fond lovers, cruel as their flame, cut in these trees their mistress's name. Little, alas, they know or heed how far these beauties hers exceed. Fair trees, uh, whereas e'er your barks I wound, no name shall be uh, but your own be found. Uh, and it continues like that. Uh, oh, I won't, maybe one more. When we have run our passion's heat, love hither makes his best retreat. The gods that mortal beauty chase still in a tree did end their race. Apollo hunted, hunted Daphne so only that she might laurel grow. And Pan did after Syrinx speed, not as a nymph, but for a reed. Uh, but yeah, it's the same kind of imagery that they seem to be obsessed with this at, the, at their first meeting. Um, so the whole thing, the whole book is like for this, uh, it's kind of longing for Paradise Lost. Well, yeah, and I, and I don't know if we touched on it, but one big aspect of, of Ada's um, uh, intellectual um, interest is botany at, at a very in-depth level. Um, yeah, and and insects, like right? like the the flower, like the flowers and the insects. Yeah. So. Well, th I was I for, I didn't say it, but there was this kind of strangeness about the connection of time and butterflies. You know this. The yeah. but I don't know when I I should know because I was just talking about it. The butterfly effect started out as something silly like the caterpillar effect or something. Uh. <laughs> and they said, well, that's not going to work. You need to do butterfly. But the, so the guy who invented the butterfly effect, but the, you know, this idea of little ripples that cause big changes later. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the butterfly being psyche, right? In, in you know, in terms of color, you know, a friend of mine is a, a plant biologist, and he told me once that uh, the monarch butterfly, who has that sort of rust red and uh, like a sort of yellow wing, um, beats its uh, its wings at a pat at a pattern that causes insects to see a sickly green, which is the combination of red and yellow. Uh, and, and it wards them away by making them kind of sick by seeing that 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 beat beating rate of the two colors mixing together. Wow, How fucking like insane a, is that? It's uh. like a three D movie that they're seeing. Is saying, yeah, yes, <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's always stuck with me. I, th I think I think uh, Nabokov loves that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. I think that's what what McKenna why he was attracted so much to Novikov too because he was a he was a butterfly collector as well Terence McKenna interesting and he, 
and he describes in his his earlier writings like how he, what, what, not like uh, I think where was that in the uh, True Hallucinations where he's talking about his earlier life and he he talks about how he was always attracted as a kid to these iridescent colors that he could see on some rocks and some beetles and some butterflies mm-hmm. you know? and he thinks that's kind of what led him eventually towards psychedelics um, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems it, it seems very similar like Nabokov also is into butterflies um, and colors and he's he has synesthesia he can he can blend the senses together yeah Hmm. It's it, yeah. Again, it seems really psychedelic to me. This this book, as um, the Virginia Woolf book did. Hmm. Yeah. Ah. You know, I wouldn't have made that it, connection, it, but yeah, it's definitely yeah. Okay. When we're off recording, I want to tell you one more thing about your Vir- Virginia Woolf uh, Woolf conversation and. Because remember, I was listening it at the beginning part. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you. I want to. I don't want to share it on the air, but or on the recording. But it's not a big deal. But I, I just prefer not to. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> so is that the sign to, to go off the recording? <laughs> sure. Uh, my dog. My you've dog been listening to doesn't. the forty-two minute seasonal book uh, club, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and thesyncbook.com check out check out our website for more information about the sync book or check out past shows or just subscribe to the podcast via iTunes please be sure and visit the website at thesyncbook.com if you like this podcast check out others this is currently all the syncbook radio archives are free you can listen to all these book club shows that we've mentioned here we also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need all you have to do is type in book club. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. And if compelled, click on the support link at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks so much. And I, Von Veen, salute you, life, Audavin. Today is my 97th birthday. And I hear... <laughs> and, I, and I hear from my wonderful new ever, every rest chair... A spade, scrape, and footsteps in the snow, sparkling garden, and my old Russian valet, who is deafer than he thinks, pull out and push in nose ring drawers in the dressing room. This part five is not meant as an epilogue. It is the true introduction. Charlie, it is the true introduction of my 97% true and 3% likely Ada or Ardor. A Family Chronicle. Feels like...